I muted myself. Huh. <laughs> Hi. Hey, guys, and welcome back to The Outer Rim. I'm Gabe, and I'm here with uh, my friend Ryan. And today we're going to be talking about uh, the, the series finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Welcome, dude. What's up? Hello there. I'm doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all fine here now. How are you? Um, <laughs> So, yes, as I said, we're talking about the series finale, and uh, let's just dive right into it. I feel like this is going to be a long discussion, so there's a lot yes. to say. Um, we would have had Drew on, um, but just some kind of technical issues with his computer, he was not able to join, which is unfortunate for reasons we'll get into pretty soon. Um, so this episode, as always, was directed by Deborah Chow. Uh, it was written by Andrew Stanton, Joby Harold, or Joby Harold, Andrew Stanton, and uh, Hossein Amini. Uh, with Stuart Beatty getting story by credit. So a lot of people, everyone who ever worked on the show got a credit on this episode, apparently. Um, and this one we see uh, the the Rebels are still escaping. Obi-Wan leads Vader off to a planet to distract him. They fight there. Obi-Wan wins and leaves. And then at the same time, Reva follows uh, follows the message back to Tatooine and attacks Lars and uh, Rina. Owen Lars and uh, Baru's homestead to try to kill Luke. Uh, eventually, is able to kill him because, well, we'll talk about that. I don't know why. Uh, for reasons. Uh, she's able to kill him, and Obi-Wan shows up, and she kind of gets her, a moment of redemption. Then, um, this, there's a lot of endings. I noticed, like, I don't know, a bunch of almost like Return of the King level endings where he goes and visits <laughs> Leia, and then he uh, goes and visits Luke, and, I th and then he goes and sees. Uh, Qui-Gon for 20 seconds. Yeah. That's the episode. I didn't write a synopsis in case you could tell. Um, all right. So, Ryan, what did you think? I did not like it. <laughs> to, to put it gently, I, I have not really liked this series as a whole, which is a shock to me because I expected to like it. Um. I was, to be fair, I was I was always a little bit worried about the Grand Inquisitor's design, um, but uh, and then that turned out to be the least of your worries. Yes, like uh, it's, uh, but anyway, uh, well, I was also worried too when they started advertising a Obi Wan Vader rematch of the century thing, which okay, um, <laughs> we'll get into why that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I've been overall pretty negative on this series. I I did like aspects of episode five. Um, this episode, there 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 are some moments like I did enjoy the moment, despite myself, uh, with Obi Wan talking to Leia and talking about all the qualities she got from her mother and from her father. Like that, that's nice stuff, uh, but. Overall, this this show is all over the place. There's, uh, th there did seem to be less egregious, you know, green screen stuff going on in this episode, but it was still here. Mm. Um, and like I, I I suppose I did like aspects of the duel, but uh, man, it, this this whole thing just wasn't for me. And the drama they they played out has already has already played out. So I, I just don't understand 
why they went the way they did that with this series and and Reva in particular just that that whole thing doesn't really make sense. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you've been watching the reviews, my general uh, disinterest in this show has been quite apparent. Like I, I came around like last week, I I I liked. Like, I, I truly liked episode five. I had quibbles, but I liked it. And so I was like, okay, Andrew Stan's right in the finale. Maybe he can bring this around. He didn't, <laughs> in my mind. Um, I think I legit hated this episode. And not for the not for all the same reasons that I disliked the previous episodes. Like, I really disliked the previous episodes, I think, because of their cheapness. I thought the acting was often weak. The scripting was often very weak. This one... I think the direction's better. Like, like the duel itself, I think works. I think the acting is excellent. Like, there's a moment where Obi Wan like almost broke through my hard hearted exterior and made me cry because he's so because Ewan is so freaking good. Um, it's like a lot of the pieces are working, but for me, they make a series of story choices that I just kind of I found unforgivable. Um, and I again, I, this is I, I I wish we could have had Drew here to kind of give the perspective of someone who liked the show because we're in the we're apparently in the minority like a lot of people even people who were colder on the show than us seem to have absolutely loved i mean who were not colder than us who were colder than the average on the show seem to really come around for the finale um so i i it's, it's a shame that we can't be here to represent that maybe someone will pop in, in the uh in the live comments and try and correct us um so <laughs> that would be nice actually <laughs> yeah so I think I, I do want to talk, just kind of we've mentioned this before in passing, but your and I central problem with the conceit of this show um, on several stages: one, the Obi Wan Leia relationship; two, Obi Wan and Vader meeting, like the whole rematch of the century happening in the Obi Wan show between Revenge of the Sith and Obi Wan Kenobi. I feel that is just off limits. Like this is what there are. There are a lot of blank areas in Star Wars where you can tell a lot of different things, and then I think, then I think there are areas where, because of we saw we've seen two points in time, there are things you cannot do between them. And based on how Revenge of the Sith ended and how A New Hope includes Vader and Obi Wan, I just do not see any space for a meeting between the two, much less. Of you know, of much less a, a battle of this intensity, and and so while I will give Chow credit for like I think if Battle of Heroes never happened and just like the fate of of Anakin and Obi Wan's relationship was kind of left up in the air, say how it was with Ahsoka, we just right. they just if they had not had a chance to to you know fight it out on a volcano. And vocalize their problems with each other at that point. I feel like this would have been a decent conclusion. Sure. Also, there's the caveat of the Rebels connections. I'll get into that later. That also makes me very angry. But I feel like if that hadn't happened, this would have been a semi-decent conclusion. I, I, I think like the acting, the, the, the where the filmmaking kind of stumbled, I think the acting and just the the in the essential emotions of the master Padawan dynamic coming to this explosion, I think would have carried it through, but I could never fully invest in it because I, I could never get it out of my mind that this should not be happening. And 
I'm gonna let you speak. I I, I could go on for another half hour. So I'm gonna let you. Uh, did you have anything to add to that kind of that idea? Yeah, yeah. I I think that like, I I don't want any loopholes left here, <laughs> because I think that the the way things left off in Revenge of the Sith with the context of those vague illusions in A New Hope, it's not even that something could not have happened in between that time, so much as if anything happened in that time, it automatically lessens and cheapens those vague illusions. Mm. Like, the, the, the primary drama of their lives has already played out, and anything else is just lesser round two. And that's what we got. We got the lesser round two. And so what we did is we took the most dramatically relevant portion of their life and traded it out for this, which is, I mean, down to the point of reusing lines is a rehash of the same drama from Revenge of the Sith, which I know people go in for that kind of thing, but I think it's too cute by half for, <laughs> for Star Wars. It's just, I don't know. I, and, I don't like it. I don't think you can craft anything that would be dramatically more relevant in between there. So it was just ill-advised from the get-go. And it did about as good as it could for for round two, as far as the Vader-Obi-Wan thing goes. And to give credit to the people who enjoyed it, I think that their argument is this was necessary because we had to get Obi-Wan Kenobi from a broken, hopeless man to you know believing again to to to, to jo rejoining the cause that he left behind and learning to hope again reconnecting himself with the force um and but for me I, that argument doesn't work because if you look at where obi-wan kenobi was at the end of Re revenge of the sith he was collected he was maybe i mean like he was obviously kind of bummed by what has happened but he he had a mission. Yes. He accepted it. Like yeah. he, he knew what he was doing. There, there, there was no signs of any deep internal struggle. And, and obviously, we can surmise that there were many long dark nights of the soul went alone on Tatooine for ten years, like or twenty years. Like that's that's it had to have been rough. But as far as like the dramatic need for the show had to be created within this show, right? Um, created and resolved and ultimately once we got to the climax and they're fighting and we see the dramatic resolution that the show has in store for them i cannot see anything dramatically that was done in this final duel that wasn't just re redoing the dramatic resolution of events of the sith um and less that, well <laughs> yeah i mean it's not there's no john williams and there's no lava and yes. there's no, and they're not, you know, they're not 30, you know, 25 and 30 year olds who can just do the most amazing choreography. Um, right. I think, I think just, just the presence of the suit, I think, does definitely lessens the quality of the choreography. Um, but I, I, I do want to, I had a, uh, I kind of wrote down, like, it, what they're, what the make, what the writers of this show are trying to do is make this about Obi Wan getting over his guilt for what happened to Anakin, kind of coming to terms with the man his his Padawan has now become, realizing that his friend is dead and gone and all that. But I think all of that happens in Revenge of the Sith. And 
you know, yeah. in, in leading up to Battle of Heroes and Battle of Heroes and the resolution. Like, all these things that they do, like, we're, we, we, the horror at what his friend has become, you see the horror and disbelief as he's watching the security tips. Like, this cannot be. And then when he's talking with, with, uh, with Padme trying to find his location, he's just breaking down. He, he, he cannot believe what's happened to his friend. And then he goes to, to Mustafar and tries to reason with him, is pleading with him. Like before the fight and during the fight, he tries to reason with him. Um, then it gets to the point where he says, well, you are lost. And Yeah, he comes to the re- revelation that his friend is gone. Like he cannot reach him anymore. I must kill him. And then after he cuts his legs, like his arm and legs off, and burns alive, he lets all his grief out. You were the chosen one. You were my brother. I loved you. And in that moment, as Anakin lights on fire and his eyes turn yellow and he's screaming, "I hate you!" It's like the final nail in the coffin. Anakin's not there anymore. This is an animal. This is a monster, right? That's left. And he he clocks that, accepts it, and walks away. I just described the fight they gave us in Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a little confused as to what they thought they were giving us that we hadn't seen before. I, I don't know either. Even, even, even like, so I like the imagery of the split open mask. I like the effect of the like blending of the James Earl Jones filtered voice and the Hayden Christensen. I like it better voice. was Matt Lanter. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 appreciate the imagery there and but but what's weird what strikes me as weird is is uh obi-wan's whole anakin thing like you know he's under it's it's not like a surprise or a revelation to you like and i i understand he could say he could be remarking on oh my goodness you look truly terrible but you were there (laughs) you did it and they already met they already had the meeting what's become of you i am what you made me so like the yeah. horror of the revelation that he's still alive and he's a robotic monster that was that already happened earlier in the show. Yeah, it's it's like it's just repeat after repeat and like I I I agree with you in that like if there had been some kind of unresolved tension between these two this would have been a solid way to to cap it off. The problem is it's just it's it's reloading the gun with the same bullet and firing it again. It's like it's with not less powder. Yes, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna have the same impact. It's this, and, and I know for some people it may have, but I, I just narratively speaking, I think it's clumsy. It's as clumsy as it is stupid. <laughs> and this comes to my second point, the part that like I'm disappointed and kind of left cold by repeating Revenge of the Sith. I am legitimately infuriated by the fact. They thought they could just rip off Rebels and pass it off as their own. And just and like not even like, oh, we recreated this dynamic with two other characters and we have a similar scene. No. They do the same thing with Vader, cutting the helmet open, seeing his eye. Yeah. You know, the other character recoiling in horror, a moment where their voices start to blend and it's oh it's Hayden Christensen, no, it's James Earl Jones and and then the moment where he turns back to the dark and is focused, it's it's it was all done with Ahsoka in Twilight of the Apprentice and Rebels, exactly the same. And then, and I'm not even I'm not overstating the similarities. 
It is beat for beat. You know, it, some of the shots are identical. They took someone else's story and played it off as their own. I just, I just, I just kind of find, I just find that offensive. And yeah, they copied someone else's homework and turned it in. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't understand how they like who allowed any of this to happen. Like, isn't and 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 the thing is, it is too similar to be an accident like they could have done like oh three or four things from rebels like oh maybe they didn't see rebels maybe they didn't know they were just trying you know it is a very similar thematic thing they're doing so maybe they kind of accidentally recreated it but i do not believe with how similar they were it could have been accidental in the or in the same order like yeah it's it's uh even down to the line then you will die that's a line that matt lanter said to ahsoka and and also I I wanna it's possibly a nitpick, so I recognize that. They're welcome. <laughs> but the the line where he says you didn't kill Anakin, I did, sounds really cool on paper. Except both of these guys know Obi Wan never killed Anakin. Like I get what he thematically. I get what he's trying to say there, but neither of them were under the misimpression that he killed Anakin, except Obi Wan was at the beginning of this show. What I don't like about that line is it sounds like it's Anakin slash Vader reaching out and trying to offer a little bit of absolution to his former master, which I don't like. I think I am what you made me. That is a line a Sith would say. That is a line Vader would say. Content, yeah, he's narcissistic, narcissistic, everything, and and we see we see that play out beautifully with Maul throughout the Clone Wars. It's like I'm going to go after the people, like I'm going to go after Palpatine because I was supposed to be by his side, and Obi Wan stole that from me. So he devotes his entire life. I'm going to kill Obi Wan because he cut me in half and stole my destiny from me. Like it, it's all it's incredibly narcissistic. All at blaming the world around you for everything that happens to you, like that's the Sith worldview, and and the line "I am what you made me" was incredible, incredible delivery, and that actually hit because it, it felt true. I, I just well, and and he's he's putting blame on Obi Wan, which is exactly what Vader would do. Like mm-hmm. he's not he's not like you said, reaching out for and and trying to absolve his master's guilt is not what he'd be doing there. He'd be turning the screws, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, no, no, no. And people are defending saying, Oh, well, it's a moment of Anakin peeking out. This is personal, but I don't like that. I think there should be a point like that would be a couple years into Vader's run where he is, he fully becomes who he is. And for the next 20 years, he's Darth Vader. And then when he meets his son, it starts to crack. Like, I feel like the, rede- the, the thing, the love Luke was able to pull out of his father is made so much more powerful if he had not felt that in 20 years rather than yeah, and it, if it keeps kind of poking in and out throughout. And he was, it makes like if, if the Vader facade was, was this fragile, I, for me, it makes the redemption in return of the Jedi less impactful. Right. Like I, I, I never, some people have been under, the impression I, I've never been under the impression that Vader was anything other than a fully devoted Sith Lord from Return of the Sith on. Like maybe you could excuse a little bit of wavering in the early years, and 
yes, he he does go into that Sith Lord thing where he wants to kill his master, but that's that is the Sith way, you know. Like that's not that's not Anakin coming out there. That's just an extension of Vader's murderous. And I think you see that in the way he kills everyone who learns his identity. Like just like all, I feel like all the books and comics very much cement that notion of who Vader was. And yeah. So, and as far as the duel itself, I think it's decent. Um, I think like it's, I think uh, Chow's direction comes a bit more alive. It's still, it still never fully escapes the fan film feel for me. Like it's, it's, it's never as as cool or as dynamic, and the cinematography is never as good as any Star Wars duel before that. So it never quite escapes the fan film, but it's like a this is if I saw this as a fan film, I'd be like I'd be truly impressed. Yeah, um, like hey, hey, fans did this. That's excellent, you know. Yeah. Then they get into the rock throwing, and yeah, that that I did I, not like as well. I but don't that's like, in the same category to me as when Vader pulled down the ship last episode. Yeah, where where I was just like. Oh no 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 no! That's way too far. It's, it's the, the, the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars, like that whole realm of star, of Star Wars, which like I like it, it for what it is. There there have been four uses four throughout the series that I kind of cringe a little bit at. So I I, I, I wouldn't reject the, the show over that, but it is it was very cringy in my mind. Um, yeah, and ultimately, I think the primary rule, reason this duel fails for me is because. It finally ends. Oh, well, two reasons. One is Anakin, I mean, Vader buries Obi-Wan under the rocks, thinks he's dead, and leaves. Why does Obi-Wan re-engage? Like, Obi-Wan is free and clear. He could just scamper off into the dark. He's great. He's good. He's golden. Vader thinks he's dead. Why does he re-engage, remind, you know, beat Vader, remind him he's still alive, not kill him, so now Vader's going to keep coming after Like, it's... What, what what was the? I will do what I must. What is it? What is it you must do? <laughs> I don't evidently not kill him. Yeah, so like that that part was silly. Like it it, just, it really feels like the, the writers are thinking about the character motivations in this section. Like, why is anyone doing what they do? And then you go to the finale. He beats him. He's on the ground in front of him, and he walks away again, and leaves him alive. And. I cannot think of any possible story character justification for that. Like this man is the second most dangerous person in the galaxy has at this point probably been directly responsible for the deaths of thousands, if not millions of people and is going to kill thousands and help kill billions of people in the future. Like the Jedi aren't pacifists. The Jedi are warriors. The Jedi's execute justice. The, the, you know, the, the, the policemen of the galaxy they're not they don't have a problem with killing a beaten enemy if they believe this person is irredeemable and will only kill again which which obi-wan explicitly states in the fight that he thinks he's My gone, friend is gone. You know? yeah yeah so like it, the only the only reason he didn't kill vader there is because the script said he didn't and the only reason the script said he didn't is because they know he's still alive you know, so if one, you can't one thing right? go ahead go ahead i'm sorry i was like, like so if you if you can't do that if you can't follow the story to its logical conclusion don't tell this story like don't create a problem for yourself put yourself in a, like page yourself into a corner where anakin i mean vader has obi-wan has obi-wan has vader at his mercy and just walks away like don't you you painted you you created this problem for yourself by trying to tell a story that you could not conclude because it has right. to happen 
10 years from now. Yep. Yep. I think, I think if, if you wanted to, so I'm making lemonade out of lemons here. I still think, you know, the, the setup is not a good setup, but playing with the toys they've given us, look, if, you could justify the line in Return of the Jedi where um, where Luke says, I sense the conflict within you, and Vader's like, Obi-Wan once thought as you did. You could justify that line by instead of having Obi-Wan be like, my friend is gone, maybe have him like, maybe my friend is in there, but he's really buried deep, and then have him walk away. And then you could justify that line from Return of the Jedi and also justify Obi Wan not killing him there on the spot. What if, you like, know? he raised his saber? Like, take cut cut out the dialogue before that where he sees Anakin. He raises his saber. He looks up and sees Anakin, and falters, and like can't go through it with it or something. I don't know. It just it disengages the lightsaber and walks away. You know. Just, I mean, I, w- I would still be mad about it, but it would. Yeah, but it'd be better. Like, like I said, we're making lemonade with lemons here. Like, like, because, because the whole thing is the whole. This is that. That's not the story they chose to tell. The story they were telling was Obi Wan comes to the realization that his friend is truly gone forever. That's yeah. the story they're trying to tell. And so that that is kind of incompatible with our, our thing, like where he spares it because he sees Anakin still. Right. Right. And and to be fair, like. That to me the the incongruity is that line in Return of the Jedi, because Obi Wan is constantly telling Luke, "Look, this this guy's done, you know, and you you have to kill him because he's gone. He's more machine now than man." Like so, mm. in, in actuality, that's that is the right call to head towards that point. Uh, but even so, uh, why copy the <laughs> Rebels thing and show his humanity? I'm not going to kill you now, but I'm going to train your son to kill you. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> That's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to make this personal. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and I think I'm just going to carry this Obi-Wan Vader thread to the end. And it's just another choice that makes me so irritated and angry is they keep Vader alive. And so at the end, Vader's like, I will hunt him down. You know, I will never rest. And, and Palpatine's like, you know what? How about we don't? Just let him go. And again, another choice made because of another film. A choice that makes no sense. Like, think about from the Empire's perspective. Obi-Wan Kenobi comes out of hiding, raids the, you know, the Inquisitorious, uh, Fortress Inquisitorious, in conjunction with rebel cells, you know, he's fighting. As far as I see, he's lead. He's probably leading the rebellion, as far as they can see. The, the like probably top five greatest warriors in the Jedi Order, probably their greatest general, maybe Mace Windu, maybe him, is out there alive, fighting with rebels. You cannot. Also, he kicked you. He kicked. He kicked the ass of the most dangerous man in the galaxy. Exactly. You Again, cannot leave him alive. You can't yeah. leave him alive. Like it doesn't. Yeah. There's no possible story world building justification for what the Empire says, aside from he has. We can't. He has to be alive for a new hope. Um, and that is what it feels like. All the story choices are happening here. They're so arbitrary. They're not driven by emotion and character. And, and that's why world again, building. If this if this show doesn't happen. I totally buy that maybe for the first few years, Vader did hunt 
Obi-Wan down to the corners of the galaxy and just could not find him. Like, yeah. I believe that, you know, but I don't believe that he met him, you know, nine years into this Sith thing and then got knows humiliated. he's alive. Yeah, you got humiliated for the second time, like, and then just decided, well, my master said no, so I'm just going to drop it. Like, yeah, like, it, obsession and vengeance, that's the way of the Sith. Like, the advice Palpatine was giving him was like, Jedi, like, you're becoming too emotionally involved. Pull back. Like, yeah. That's not the Sith way. No, the Sith way is, oh, lean into that. <laughs> Kill him if you must, you know, like. Yeah, and, you know, maybe maybe you'll get killed, in which case, you know, I've lost a rival. Um, a, da- a dangerous one. Yeah. You know. All right, so uh, I've, I've been kind of leading the conversation and talking a lot. Do you have any, any aspects that you wanted to discuss? Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go to Reva because... Do we have to? <laughs> that's a story that just doesn't make sense. Even like, I'm sorry, the, her whole arc feels very, very first draft. Like, And I, 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 I want to give the positive spin that we can respond to it. Uh the positive spin, I'm like pe- people on Twitter are really loving her. Um, like, they, they, like they are they're finding a way to view her entire arc as one cohesive thing across all. For me, it's like I see three different characters. Like, it's you know this person um, obsessed by vengeance joins the Inquisitors, tries to get to Vader, fails, tries to. I get. I, I think the interpretation is she knows Luke is Vader's son, so she wants vengeance. You know, stands above him with her lightsaber. Realizes who she's become, breaks down, and chooses redemption. Like that's the st- and people and people are finding that story powerful. I don't understand it, but that they are. Um, so that I, I can't, I can't even give it. Like so there are a lot of arguments I could argue from the other side. I can't even argue this argument from the other side because I truly don't understand it. Unfortunately, well, I wish I could give the positive presentation, but uh, go on. The, the, the problem isn't like what you outlined if we is if if that is what we saw i would probably like it but the problem is first off if your goal is to assassinate vader i can't think of a more convoluted way no in, in retribution for killing the jedi all right I can't think of a more convoluted and cutting your finger despite your thumb kind of way to do it than to join the Inquisitors where your job is to do what he did on a daily basis. And she did. Yes. And she did the job for years. To yeah. Just to curry favor to get an audience with him. Which she had she- I'm just, Vader is the Inquisitor's boss. Yeah. So there's no way she hasn't interacted with him many times. She's had her shot numerous times in numerous cases. And I'm sh- like, the, the, the whole way she goes about this is all wrong. And then, and then you, you, you stretch that logic into the show and it's like, okay, maybe she wants to kill Luke to get at Vader. But Vader doesn't even know about Luke. Neither does Reva. I watched this episode twice. There is no possible way Reva could have learned Luke's identity. It's just not in the show. 
So, like, what what is, <laughs> is it to get? I I watched this episode, and when I got to the end, I assumed she was trying to kill Aunt Luke as a revenge on Obi Wan because yeah. it was so unclear. And I'm still not convinced that's not what the writers were thinking. I don't know what the writers were thinking because it's not in the episode. So um, we have multiple revenge plots that just don't make any sense. And and I I've said this in another conversation. Like, if the idea is that you've become the thing you hate in order to try and destroy it, like that's fine, that's good. Batman and Batman v Superman. Yeah, exactly. Or or even Vader himself, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You've become the very thing you swore to destroy. Like that's mm-hmm. that's fine if you want to tell that story. Except it doesn't tell that story. That all of that is background. So I just don't understand Reva as a character. I I, I genuinely don't know what they were planning with this character beyond having a few ideas that they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And just finding the barest bones way to connect those things that they needed her to do. Yeah. Like I, I view her as three different people. Like there's episode one through four, episode five Reva and episode six Reva. Like I, I cannot find the connective tissue getting this character from point A to B to C. Like right. it'd be in the, for the first four, first four episodes, she is like your classic Sith. She's just ambitious, doing everything she can to get to the top. You know, fighting with her, her co-workers and all of that, like classic Sith stuff. Episode five, she is, you know, oh, it was all a revenge plot to kill Vader. It doesn't work with the previous four episodes, but I think that that episode five is so well, is such a, is a pretty good script self-contained that it kind of works in the runtime. Yeah. Episode six, she's the Terminator going to try and murder children. And I do not know how to connect that back to episode five, Reva. Um, so <laughs> and the, 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 the climactic moment she's standing above Luke with her lightsaber raised and she has flashbacks to the temple and she's like oh, I'm like Vader and she even asks Luke did I become him you imbecile you're an inquisitor yes you've been you are him like for Vader the, you've been him for the past nine years I get it okay I made it. I, I the thing I said to them in the message. Our message group was like, "It's like if you have a concentration camp guard who has been killing Jews for years, wakes up one day. Oh, am I like Hitler? Like you were doing the. You joined Vader's squad of little Vaders to do Vader things. Yes. Yes, you're Vader. And, um, and, and- it's a bit disingenuous that Obi-Wan's like, no, of course not. <laughs> Dude. Yes, you are. <laughs> like, you saw the trophy room, man. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, I just, it, it, the character. That's just... her place of work. <laughs> just saying. And again, it's like, n- nothing about Reva makes sense in this episode to me. And so, like, when uh, when I say a third of the episodes devoted to that plot, it was really irritating. And also, I really wish they did something more clever with uh, the, you know, the fight with uh, Owen and Baru against her. Like, these are people who live on the frontier. You know, attacks from uh, Tusken Raiders is a 
very real threat. I kind of wish they had would have had some like elaborate defenses and booby traps and like they could have had like a really creative kind of home alone action sequence there. But they yeah. just went again with the most basic kind of bland shooting. Yeah. Or the gritty home alone kind of thing like Skyfall. Yeah. <laughs> like just that that's me with this show. Like do something interesting and clever. No, here's the most bland vanilla version of any possible thing. In, in all honesty, I think the Inquisitors should have been the antagonist of the show. It yeah. should have all taken place on Tatooine, and it should have been Obi-Wan's Dark Knight of the Soul. How do you be a good Jedi in a galaxy that is persecuting Jedi and making it impossible to be a good Jedi? And have mm. Obi-Wan have a somber but ultimately triumphant story of overcoming as best as anyone can in this empire-run galaxy under those circumstances and a month ago like this the the show ended the way i wanted to end like a month ago i was saying i want this show to end up with you know that inquisitors coming to the homestead and then having to fight them off like yeah but but it it happened there yeah like so you again like all on tatooine the inquisitors are hunting something else someone else and like someone finds out and instead of telling vader like oh i want to i want to bring him in myself before i let vader know because if i tell vader vader's gonna come here and do it himself i have to kill the boy myself to get the reward like something like that to, to so vader will never know and then you could end in this climactic thing where you have owen and uncle you know and uh and Ben, people who do not see eye to eye, but love this boy fighting back to back to save him. Yep. Um, that, that should have been the concept, I think. Yeah. But that's not what we got. <laughs> All right. Um, so we, I guess anything else you want to say about Reva, we're going to move on to something else. Yeah, uh, we should probably move on. <laughs> so the la- the last thing that makes me so angry about this. Like, there's been many of them. I think there's about three or four already. Qui-Gon. They, prom- oh, they promised man. us Qui-Gon. And they don't give us Qui-Gon. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, 30 seconds of nothing dramatic at the end is not giving us Qui-Gon. I, I, I refuse to accept that. The, 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 what, what's honestly most insulting to me like, I could have done with a 30-second teaser of Qui-Gon seeing Obi-Wan for the first time. Or, excuse me, Obi-Wan seeing Qui-Gon as a Force ghost for the first time. Like, that could have been cool. But that should have been a dramatic bringing Obi-Wan to his knees. Oh, my goodness, Master, it's you. It's really you. Like, not, oh, hey, buddy. <laughs> Let's ride out into the desert together. What or are they or- thinking? Do that, but don't. But make it a surprise. Don't promise it. Like they, they have Obi Wan in in the uh, the prologue they, of the flashbacks to Revenge of the Sith. They showed Yoda saying, "You will learn to communicate with Qui Gon." We owe oh, first episode. He's trying to speak to Qui Gon. I think two different times. I think there's three different times in this in the series where I, he's trying to reach out to Qui Gon in his lowest moments and he can't. That reunion needs to be integral to the drama of this show. Just like I, I did not write the laws of storytelling, but they exist. And if you set something up like that in dramatic moments, it has to be paid off dramatically. 
Right. Um, and speaking of, of the absolution that we see uh, that, you know, that Vader gives Obi-Wan of you did not kill Anakin, I did. That absolution needs to come from Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon mm-hmm. is the one who pressured a young Jedi to take on the most difficult Padawan in the galaxy far before he was ready. Yep. And it turned out horribly. And this pa- his Padawan has been living with the guilt and, and blaming himself for like, of course he does have some to blame, but also he was simply not qualified to ever take care of Anakin. And, and Qui-Gon forced him to do on, that. And, and, you know, like not to, not to dissolve responsibility of Obi-Wan and the Jedi from, from the missteps they took. But got to give a little credit to Palpatine here. Like mm-hmm. he was being worked on by the most notorious and, and ingenious Sith Lord in the galaxy's history since the Sith were known to be extinct. Like, yeah, it's, but, but, it's not like, you know, what I was saying was really just like a tearful scene between them where he's like, it's okay. I know you weren't ready. I should not have asked that for, for you. It's not like it's not your fault. Like just how power. I'm getting chills right now saying that. Yeah, that, how, that could have brought a tear to my eye. Like, but yeah. instead we get, hey, buddy. That's <laughs> like, I would rather him have not shown up. So just, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Like that was just the most surface level cameo style. May as well have been Stan Lee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The yeah. Force Ghost of Stanley. I would have been more emotional if it was the Force Ghost of Stanley. That's sad. Okay, one more thing that made me mad. This is more of a nitpick, but again, I guess emblematic of I think the show is not a thoughtful or intelligent piece of work. Is when Obi Wan goes and visits Leia on on um, Alderaan. Like this is the most wanted man in the galaxy. And he's openly visiting a senator, just standing out in the open. Hi, guys, just having a conversation. Like, everything we... Disney... The Disney canon uh, comics and books for the first five or five or so years of their run were incredible. Like, New Dawn, the Thrawn stuff, um, Rebels. Like, they were... Building, they, they they put all Ahsoka. They put a lot of focus into this Imperial period, and they did such an incredible job of building up the horror that was the Empire. This omnipresent force that had the best intelligence. Like the Inquisitors, like they can sense if a Force user is on this planet. Like that's like that, that's another thing. The show entirely forgot about that. But like, if a Jedi exists, they're found, or even a Force sensitive child exists. They will be found eventually. Like they will, and someone will come and kill. Like the Empire is omnipresent and horrifying, and anyone who is out of line will be caught. Like the fact that Bail Organa was able to, you know, create this network and, and maintain it was a miracle. And, and like in the uh, Rebels, the whole thing was like the, the Rebels is just a series of them running away from the Empire. You know, catching up to this base, running to the next base. Like if anyone gets a whisper of a rebel rebel in rebel work or a, a location of a jedi the only thing you can do is run and you probably won't even make it that's what the yeah. empire is the isb the imperial security bureau the investigators they will find you and so and everyone that was so so like 
Bail Organa is like near the tippy top of the Emperor's list of people to absolutely watch closely. And also, like, you, you know, our fortress got attacked after we kidnapped his daughter. I wonder if there's a connection there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's... Um, so, like, <laughs> and a connection to Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan came around. It's so like, the fact that he's not under surveillance after this happened is ridiculous, but also the fact that Obi-Wan would just come out in the open, in the sunlight, hey, guys, we're going to have a chat. Is just like it's a little nitpick, but I, I I truly believe this is emblematic of the fact that this show is not it's not intelligent. It is dumb. It is just it makes so many basic stupid I, I think truly stupid mistakes, and it could just be good. I I'm guessing just I it's not I'm not gonna say oh that Joby Harrell's not a fan. I mean I'm, I'm sure he is. Like the, the a lot of things he included he would not do or know unless he loved these characters, but I do not think he's very well immersed in what Star Wars is and definitely not much past the movies. Um, well, I think, I think also a lot of this is born out of the mentality of wouldn't it be cool if, and then not much thought beyond that. Uh, that's my, my next thing was like, I said the, uh, the fan film critique I had here, like it's not just about the quality. It's not just, Oh, the filmmaking is bad. It's a tone. When you're watching a fan film, most of them are, fueled by that as you said that wouldn't it be cool mentality like there's all these really wacky force uses and lots of rocks and boulders being thrown and i've, I've seen two different fan films that have a lot of rocks and boulders being thrown. like there, there is a mentality of just like get out everything all the cool lines all the cliches all the moments that we want to see put it out there and that is so i i do think the fan film critique is is in part for the show is in part based on the quality. I think there are particularly when Vader shot, like you can't do a shaky cam close-up of Vader. It's against the laws of cinema. That shouldn't be happening. That felt very fan film. And just a lot of things like that. But so it's the the quality feels like a fan film a lot of the time, but also just the construction of the plotting and the way scenes are put together and the way, the way setups and payoffs are done, the way, the way callbacks, and recre- you know, cheap recreations of moments are done. That feels like I'm watching a fan film. Um, like it's like they crafted so much of this. Day. So like you know the the Leo DiCaprio where he's like, hey, look at that on the TV. Like that yeah. is what they crafted so much of the show to feel like for the audience. Yeah. And a lot of people like that. I don't. I find that just kind. Of, I find that cheap. Like uh, there are I like a lot it of in people, doses. Like, yeah, like a lot, there are times where that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. It's just not like. All the time, like it, it, it's. I think an example of I'm okay with is in like the Force Awakens, where Finn is like rummaging through a, a barrel of tools and like pulls out the the, uh, the remote training droid and tosses it over his shoulder. Like those are fine, but when you're recreating lines, recreating scenes, and or just just showing things, uh, uh, Jurassic World Dominion, where they brought out. Have you seen Jurassic World Dominion? Yes. Where they spoilers, bring out the Barbasol can. It's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing, it, it's so meaningless. Like, that's the kind of thing the show is doing. Um, yeah. And it it just irritates me. Like, I, I don't get emotional from seeing things I've seen before. I get emotional from, like, the dramatic potential. Like, me talking about what, like, I don't get emotional from seeing Qui Gon. I get emotional from the dramatic potential of what Qui Gon means to the story and the characters. And right. so you're not going to, I'm not going to care if I see Qui Gon. I want to see story. I th- 
the Qui-Gon, to get back into that, like, Qui-Gon feels like a wouldn't it be cool if addition, but but in the worst way possible, because it, it feels like, forgive me if this is insensitive, Uh-oh. when we're dealing with Carrie Fisher and the Rise of Skywalker, right, we're dealing with a woman who has passed away and they're reusing footage as best as they can to scrounge together a way to include her in the story. And mm-hmm. that's what it felt like. But the problem is Liam Neeson is not dead. Like, <laughs> but even, even Rise of Skywalker, they gave her a powerful integral part of Kylo Ren's storyline of redemption. Like, right. They gave her drama. Even, even if she couldn't, their footage they had couldn't fully support it. They tried. They tried to give her story, right? But but here they're acting like Liam Neeson is dead. No, this is the best we can do, guys. Like, uh, no, like and he didn't look bad. He didn't. Like, I was. I was like, oh my gosh, no. is he gonna look old? And like, no. Like you can tell, but he's he didn't look bad at all. Yeah, I mean, like that. It has to be especially egregious for me to be like. Oh, this person is much, much older now, and oh my goodness, they did nothing like Anakin <laughs> earlier in this series, actually. Um and, and the the benefit with Liam Neeson is like Qui-Gon was already something of an older character, so looking a little bit older isn't that big of a deal, you know. If he's blue and wavy, you can fudge it. Right, right. And Anakin was the exact opposite scenario where like he's supposed to be like <laughs> barely out of his teens padawan with a rat tail on and he's looking 40 you know like that's you can't pass that off buddy in broad daylight no less you know but uh yeah um anything else you know i feel like we, i've kind of hit all the the main complaints and critiques uh any positive i do want to mention you know positives that are warranted i think uh the space chase in the beginning, I think it like, looks pretty good. Like they, the, the, there were a lot of cool shots of the Star Destroyer showing how scary and massive it is. Um, like you know, some of the fight was pretty cool. Um, the saber parts of the fight were fine to me. Like that, that was all good. The rock stuff, not so much, but the saber yeah. stuff, pretty good. Um, Owen and Baru were very good. Like I wasn't very happy with how the, the scene played out, but I think both of them were good. Um, and just near the line. Ben, you want to meet him? Like that did I got I got a little tug there. Yeah, that uh, that was good. Like he, um, I I like this, I I so badly want a full season of just gravelly voiced Owen. Like uh, Joel Edgerton was so good for and given so little to do. You could give him a short film of like you know almost a western mm-hmm. uh, with. Uh, Tuscan Raiders being a problem. Like it doesn't have to be like earth shattering or anything. I, I'd, I'd watch a short film with Uncle Owen defending the moisture farm. You know, like yeah, I'll uh, take it. I got back to a complaint, even though I was saying positives. <laughs> Any positives for you? Uh, yeah, I <clears throat> I had to caveat all my positives. That's the problem here. Like I I dislike that that. Obi-Wan and Leia have such an intimate relationship when that is completely absent and devoid in A New Hope, but I do genuinely like the scene or at least the the lines on of the scene on the platform where Obi-Wan is telling him 
you know, you have these qualities as your mother and these are a gift from your father. Like, and, and baby Leia is precious. So I, I like that for sure. It is good. I, I could not enjoy it just because I was thinking like, this means nothing because when we get to a new hope, Leia is not going to get care at all about Obi-Wan. He's going to die <laughs> and she will not react. She's rubbing Luke's back. So, she knows him better. So it, it, it makes me think less of Leia as a person. So like, yeah. I, 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 I cannot make this relationship work in my mind. Yeah. Based on who we know Leia to be and who we see her as in the new hope. So it's like very sweet scene. I could not enjoy it. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that's why I said I had to caveat my praise of it. Like I, I hate, I hate that that has to be the case, but it does because I'm a, I'm very much of the same opinion with with about Leia here, and and the way they try to be too cute with that too is like if you ever need my help again, but she she doesn't ask for his help. She delivering a message from her dad, like yeah, she's playing a degree of separation there that comes across as really cold if you have this in the canon, mm-hmm. and. The the moment I love between the two characters is back in episode three before she knows he's Obi Wan Kenobi, and they're having that dialogue. You know, he's telling you know he's telling her you remind me of your mother. Like that that was a genuinely sweet scene that wasn't bogged down by canon. Right. Liked. Um. So let's move that into how are we feeling about Star Wars now? Like like, the rise of Skywalker came, the rise of Skywalker came out. I'm not going to turn this into a trust bashing session. And it, it, it it hurt a lot of my investment and excitement for the galaxy. I think that has been built up again by, I think Mandalorian, Bad Batch, and kind of all the new shows being announced. Like, you know, my hype is building up again, but then seeing Book of Boba Fett and now this show, and finding them incredibly cheap looking, which I find unforgivable in Star Wars, but also dramatically inert, is again killing my hype for Star Wars. Um, because like, it, now obviously the, I'm, I, I am an optimist at heart, so there's always the possibility of the learning the lesson, learning the right lessons, fixing things, use less of the volume, but but. I'm also discouraged by how positive people are being about this show. Not because I want people to just to not be happy, to not enjoy things. Of course, like if you enjoy it, I'm happy for you. But when all of Twitter is singing the praise of what I view to be a genuinely bad, like a bad show dramatically and it's just a cheap show. I'm like, what what why Don't would Lucasfilm this. why would Lucasfilm improve after this? If right. they know they can get away with so little effort, so little work, so little money. Um, and, and so little care. Like, that's that's what bothers me the most. Because uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it did start with the rise of Skywalker. And and as much as I love the Mandalorian, there's parts of it, too. Like, confusing the the whole lore of Mandalorians as a whole. Mm-hmm. It, there's There's times where they just do things because they want to do them without much consideration to what they're doing to the rest of canon. Yeah. And that's a worrying pattern now. Like with the rise of Skywalker, it was egregious and horrible and we all know what happened. At least it was in the future. (laughs) Right. Right. And then 
with Mandalorian, like if you squint hard enough, like yeah, <laughs> it, it can make sense, you know. Squint and but, have a helmet on. Yeah, but now we have to have squint. Now we have to squint, have a helmet on, wear the blindfold under the helmet, and the helmet has a blast shield down. I'm not going to watch it on this fa- again. Say again. I'm not going to watch this again. I've seen it twice. I gave it its fair shot. It's not going into my head canon. Like when I do my rewatches, this and Bucket Boba Fett, they don't exist for me. It it would be better if it Book of Boba Fett at least has the courtesy to be a part of canon that is kind of out of the way mm-hmm. and in a corner and inessential. And so it's inoffensive in that regard. But this is playing with the drama of the galaxy for for films that films and other content that post-date this in the chronology. And it's going back and messing things up. So we we have so little care devoted to these characters and this scenario that already exists. And it's all thrown out of the window just to please fans, which that's a whole other side conversation. Well, but, speaking of a fan, uh, James in the live chat just said, awesome, Kenobi rocks. Uh, I'm glad you enjoy it, man. I'm glad you enjoy it. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't take any pl- – well, there are rare occasions I take pleasure in bashing these, but not here. This is I wanted this to be good. I, I did too. And as much as like I, I've had friends that probably really dislike me on the subject of this show – and you know, like I, I've made my peace with that, but I, I don't think I was unwinnable to this show. I just think that the scenario they chose to write out from the get-go was a bad batch. Pardon my pun. Don't don't compare this to bad batch. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> which which uh, let me let me answer the question you actually asked, which is that I I am excited for Andor and the Bad Batch. I'd, I, I really, my faith right now is more in the animated part of the galaxy than than the live action parts. It, it does it doesn't have the, the the threat of being cheap visually. Yes, well, yes, it, that's right. There, there there is such a thing as cheap animation, but I don't think it'll happen. No, not not in this case. I don't think. And and part of that is because they're safely playing within the style of Clone Wars, so. You're safe or, there. Or even you know? Visions looks look pretty dang good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I'm more confident in the animated part of this. I'm curious to see where they go with film after this. Uh, but the live action TV stuff, I'm oh, no, I just guarded saw, about. I just had a thought, man. Like, so I think the, the biggest bane of live action filmmaking right now in Star Wars is the volume. Um, I think they over they shoot everything on the volume and it it only like works at like dark scenes with like a lot of neon lights. Like everything else, I think looks like you can. I can see the wall. I can always see the wall yeah. in the volume. It, it dampens the filmmaking. Everything is smaller. Like they film it like they're in a tiny room. Um, so, and I think that this show is the worst defender of all in that in that regard. So, yeah. And so not, next movie is Taika Waititi, and he just made Thor: Love and Thunder. Which was also made heavy use of the volume, and clips and trailers of that movie are coming out, 
And this isn't just me. Like all, all over Twitter, people are saying, why does this look so cheap? Why does this look so bad? And I'm not talking about, like, I'm not talking about dramatic quality or, or comedy as far as like, it looks visually bad. Yeah. And it's the volume. Although that other stuff is true too. Yeah, like, <laughs> I can I can see every single thing I've come to hate about live action Star Wars with the volume is on full display in a two hundred million dollar movie that was shot in the volume. And if Taika is in love with this this technology, is he going to bring that to Star Wars? Like he didn't use the volume on Ragnarok. Like he did. Like, he used it well, I think, on his episode of um, Mandalorian. Is he going to bring this back to Star Wars to the movies? I, I don't like. I, I don't want Star Wars. So, I, I, my, my. Only I feel thing. like they they'll put the money to make it look good. Like the the movies, like they reshot Solo, to you know because they didn't like where it was going. So I feel like they'll they're not going to let that happen. But that's a scary thought. Look at the Thor the Thor Love and Thunder trail uh, clips. I I think. Far be it from me to guess what's going through Taika's mind. Uh, but I think the one safeguard we might have here is I feel like to to most people, Star Wars is a bit more sacred <laughs> than than uh, Thor. <laughs> Thor, yeah. So, uh, which is ironic because Thor, God of Thunder. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway. So what happens I, I when think... atheists make movies, I guess. <laughs> but I feel like Star Wars is is a more reverent corner of film than the MCU. I, I hope it doesn't become... Uh, like I, I want Taika's style, but I don't want it to the detriment of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. You know? and, and I love Taika Waititi. Like, uh... But in his his element, like I think Jojo Rabbit is might be my top ten movies of all time. Like I, I do love the man, but I, I have issues with his blockbuster stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I guess getting back to the larger point, like as far as my feelings on Star Wars, like Andor, I'm very much looking forward to. I think Tony Gilroy is an incredibly talented writer. You know, looking at what he did for Rogue One, exploring those themes again, a show shot on sets and on locations. As far as we know, zero use of the volume. They might use it some, but like. There, but then that again, like, can Star Wars truly be done justice on a TV budget? I don't know. Um, so we'll see how that works out. I, I have hope. I also have worries. Animation Bad Batch looks great. Um, Tales of the Jedi is coming up. So, like, there's de- there's a lot of things to look forward to for me in Star Wars, but this show has made me worried, man. Like, is the acolyte going to look like this? Is John Watts' show going to look like this? I don't want it. I feel I- like they're doing too much i i feel like it's an overextension like, yeah i i would not be upset if they announced half of those projects were cut and they were just going to focus on making a couple of the projects they have better which kind of happened like they made all those announcements like the, the celebration yeah. like two years ago and like only half of the, and the rest kind of just like where's lando <laughs> nobody knows <laughs> exactly and, and i think that that often happens with these kinds of things but i i do think we do need to call the herd a bit more. I and this happened with Marvel too. Yeah, yeah. And the, the the good the the thing I am in terms of live action other than Andor that I, I like I'm cautiously optimistic about the Mandalorian because like even though Book of 
Boba Fett was a train wreck. Like the Mando episode was great. Like there, there's hope <laughs> in the Mandalorian at least. It's yeah. not. It's not like oh, yeah, I don't I'm, think it's up to the quality of the animated series, but it's still really good. You know. Yeah, and, yeah. Like I had a lot of critiques. I think a lot, a lot of the same issues, but to sure. a far lesser extent with that show. And then there were episodes where I really had no issues. So. I, I, I genuinely forgot Mandalorian season three. I think that's going to be probably as good as the first two. So, and, yeah. and, and I quite like those. Um, if it, yeah, I think the, the notion of being overextended is very real. I think we're seeing that with Marvel, where they're putting out three to four films a year and two to three TV shows a year. I think there literally comes a limit to, to the quality control that can be maintained by a single company. Yeah, and I think they've they've passed it in Marvel. They're like it's just like the She Hulk trailer, like. Where where the VFX money go, and then with this show, it's like I, I don't see any money here. Well, there's there's a lot of money on screen, but sure. not there's a lot of places not where well it should be. There's a lot of places where it should be where it isn't. Um, yes. And I think we're de- we're seeing the limits of these these series, trying to see like how much can we get away with, how much will people take, and people are still screaming for more with Obi Wan, and that's what concerns me. Um, like I, I do hope that someone somewhere is seeing these complaints and having serious discussions in the production offices. Like as far as you know, we gotta we gotta. I won't say work harder because I think people probably did work harder. I think it was just rushed without enough money. But sure. we, we gotta we gotta be smarter about where we put the money, and we gotta you know if we have to push it back, push it back kind of thing. Um. So yeah, it's like the, the kind of the Wall Street mindset of we just, we just got a constant growth, constant growth, and we've re- I think we have genuinely reached the breaking point with both Marvel and Star Wars, where there's this quality there. There are talented people. There are good stories. Just you know, bring it back in a little bit. You you don't need to dominate every corner of the market at at every cor- at every month of the year, like you know, like. Just, yeah, because like I think I think Andor and Bad Batch they're going to be overlapping. Um, yeah. So speaking of the future, like we're, we're, when we see us again, like I don't, I I can't do two reviews a week <laughs> going forward. So I hope we'll be able to cover at least one of them. We'll see how that turns out. Um, uh, the, the the question is like, uh, which one? <laughs> That's hard. Uh, I think Bad Batch is starting first, so. I feel like there'll be shorter discussions will be easier. So yeah, as far as the future, um, you guys will probably, you know, if I'm not crazy busy, you'll probably see us with the Bad Batch. Um, where can people follow you, uh, Ryan? Uh, the one and only place I even want people to follow me is on Pop Americano on YouTube. It's a channel where we discuss films. Uh, I'm still working on my coverage for Schindler's List. Uh, I'm doing a video essay on it, so that requires a bit more prep work than uh, than most of uh, my projects do. Uh, but we fully covered uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy in about 20 hours, so uh, we did a scene-by-scene analysis, and uh, that was... I actually haven't watched fun. those, I'm ashamed to say, but it's 20 over. hours is my excuse. <laughs> it's a good excuse but you know look if you look if you're like me i think there is a lot of people that actually look at content and go okay sometimes these five minute videos it's like you you don't actually have anything to offer here and look we went long (laughs) you know i'm not saying we didn't 
but uh, I, I do think there's a space and a need for long-form discussion of some great art. And uh, The Lord of the Rings definitely fits that bill. So if you are a Lord of the Rings fan, and I, I don't know a single Lord of the Rings fan that would say no to 20 more hours of Lord of the Rings analysis. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, please uh, follow um, The Outer Rim on Twitter at the Outer Rim Star uh, the Outer Rim, the Outer Rim SW I cannot speak anymore. Uh, Facebook join us at uh, the Outer Rim of Star Wars group. Uh, lots of uh, positive constructive discussion. Uh, then also subscribe on YouTube at the Outer Rim of Star Wars channel. Like this video, you know the drill. And uh, I guess until the next Star Wars show, we will see you guys later. <laughs>